Second Samuel, let's go to the word. Second Samuel chapter 23 and 20. Second Samuel chapter 23. This chapter, let me give you a little context. This chapter is talking about David's mighty men. These some bad dudes. I mean, one dude faced 800 to one odds and wouldn't back down. Another one named Eleazar, he fought until his hand froze to the sword and he couldn't even put it down. Shema, when he, when he stood against people, the whole army, they retreated, but he stood his ground just over some, a field of beans. But then there was this one dude named Benaniah. I like him. I'm going to talk about him tonight. 2 Samuel 23 and 20. And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts. Somebody say many acts. Somebody say he's bad. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. And he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit. Somebody say the right place. He slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. Somebody say right place, right time. And I want to read one more verse of scripture. First Peter five and eight. Be sober. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Tonight, I want to I preach to you about the reality of the roar. The reality of the roar. Would you set your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands with me one more time? I want you to plug into the Spirit right now. If you're a guest with us here tonight or you're new to this family, I want you to really just open your heart. Just let God speak to you. He's going to speak to the church, but he's going to speak to all of us as well. So I want you to lift your hands and just say, God, speak to me tonight. Can we pray together, Father? We come to you right now in the name of Jesus, knowing, Lord, that you have everything that we could ever need or desire. Father, it is in your power and it is in your good pleasure to give us the good gifts of the kingdom of heaven. So I pray tonight, let your word come alive and let it speak to us where we are. I pray that you would rip the mask off, the veil off of the enemy. Lord Jesus, I pray, help us to see him as he is so that we can see you as you you are. Oh God, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would expose the enemy and his tactics so that we can be the church and know that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I pray it all and I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, you can be seated. You can be seated. Listen, over the last 15 years of ministry, I've been a part of revivals, different churches every weekend. 
And over the last 15 years of ministry, I've watched churches that are on the offense. They're moving forward. They are growing and on the brink of revival. They are at the cusp of the greatest harvest of souls and ingathering of people. They're there. They're, they're, they're right there. God is about to do something like he's never done. They get there. I've watched churches get there. But then, you know what that means? No, no, no. We got to do it over again. <laughs> Revival yes. is right there. Yes. And then. <laughs> we're moving forward. We're growing. Things are happening. People are being added to the church daily only for the devil to rear his ugly head and loose his forked tongue and release a verbal all-out assault on God's people, distracting them, deterring them, sending them back into a defensive posture. And then revival and harvest are ultimately aborted and their purpose postponed. I'm here to tell you, I've seen it too many times. The church begins to move forward and all the devil has to do is begin to begin to loose that forked tongue and begin to speak in to your world the lies because he is the father of all lies and we hear whenever I do that keep it pulled up ads and everything that was pretty good but I've seen it I've seen churches just like this one. Momentum building. Churches growing. Ministries being added. People plugging in. Miracles taking place. Drug addictions being broken off of people. Dysfunctional homes like the one I grew up in. All of a sudden being healed by the power of Jesus Christ. And then all of a sudden that devil who is as a roaring lion begins to speak his lies and begins to distract, begin to deter. But I'm here to tell, tell you one day I was coming out of the gym. And next to our gym, Colorado Springs is very heavily populated with military. And next door to the Anytime Fitness, there is a U.S. Navy uh, recruitment center. And I saw a sticker. And I'm going to preach to you from that sticker. And that sticker simply said with a big old Navy emblem. It said, in times of crisis, some run to the fight. Because most 
That was implying that some run to the fight, but others will be distracted. Others will go into a defensive posture, but some will run towards the fight. And that's what I want to preach to you today because the devil's going to roar either way. We might as well have revival. We might as well see people get the Holy Ghost. We might as well see our families be whole. We might as well. So when that devil begins to roar, you've got to run into the roar and not away from it because he is trying to distract and detour. It was on September 11th, 2001, four airplanes were hijacked. You know the story. Bent on evil. Two of these planes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City and one of them crashed into a field in Stony Creek Township, Pennsylvania. And one of them crashed into the west side of the Pentagon. The natural instinct for those in the building was to get out. But on that day, there were heroes who didn't run out of the building. They ran into those buildings to help those who needed help. One of them was Lieutenant Colonel Ted Anderson. One account captures the story this way. Anderson, when the plane struck, Anderson acted like a man possessed. Possessed. As others ran for their lives, he sprinted from his office toward the point of impact. Spreading his jacket over shards of glass on a windowsill, Anderson had a non-commissioned officer burst, boost him into the collapsing building, and together they carried out two women. One, one was uh, two. They carried out two women. One of them was unconscious, and the other badly burned. And over the next hour as the rest of the world looked on in shock, Ted Anderson returned to the blaze over and over again. At one point, he and the officer were low crawling through the inferno, screaming to be heard above that fiery roar. Arlington County firefighters finally restrained them. They probably saved his life because just a few minutes later after they would not let him return to the fight, the building collapsed. Ted Anderson stayed at the Pentagon all day in part because his keys were at his desk in the Pentagon. But that night, the building superintendent let him get his keys. He drove home and he listened to 52 messages on his answering machine and he took a shower and he cried for 30 minutes and tried to go to sleep. But at 1 a.m., his boss called and said, I can't sleep. Let's go to work. Put on your battle uniform. So in the middle of the night, they headed back to the Pentagon because they knew that they were at war. I'm here to preach to the church and to rouse your faith, to let you know the devil, the enemy has roared. He has tried to bring the fight to your front door. It's not just in D.C. anymore. It's not in New York or L.A., but it's in the north woods of Minnesota. The devil has roared and we cannot back down we got to run to the fight because there's people that need what you have in spite of what you hear. Uh, we need people like Ted Anderson that will run in when others are running out. Second Timothy 4:17, Paul is relaying some things to his son in the gospel. 
And he tells him this, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me. He is going through a very painful and trying times. People have ran away and walked away from Paul. And he is, he is a little, it messed him up. Let's just say that. But he said, notwithstanding, in other words, they weren't standing with him anymore. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all, notice the terminology, that might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And I'm like, what was Paul actually referencing? The Lord strengthened me and delivered me out of the mouth, not the paw, out of the mouth of the lion, out of the mouth of the, of the lion. That phrase comes from Psalms 22, and therefore it has no defined limit of reference. It's possible that the reference to the lion was the lions of the amphitheaters in the Colosseums, or the lion was in reference to Nero, the Roman emperor, because at the death of Tiberius Caesar, this phrase, the lion is dead, was used. So what was he referencing when he was referencing the mouth of the lion? Was it the lions of the amphitheater? What is, was it the Colosseums? Was it the Roman emperor or Caesar that they would call that lion that would now be dead? Uh, or could it be that it was Rome itself? Because did you know that that popular cry against Christians that in those days there was a popular cry called Christianos ad leonum? which means the Christians to the lions. That was their motto. That was Rome's motto before they, or when they tried to blame Christianity for all of its ills. Hear me, somebody. Was it the amphitheaters, the Colosseums? Was it Caesar? I don't know. But it very much was the behind-the-scenes force that was working in all of them. Can you imagine... If our country had a motto, Christianos ad leonum, feed them to the lions. But I believe that it really was referencing, hear me very carefully, that lion in 1 Peter 5 and 8 that said that the devil was as a roaring lion. I believe that it was Satan behind the lions of the amphitheater. I believe it was Satan that was behind those lions that were in the Colosseums as the people gathered. I believe it was that roaring lion Lucifer that was behind Nero and his uh, effects on early Christendom. Hear me, somebody. It was that, 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 the, the, oh, God, help me. I'm, I'm, I know where I'm going. I'm trying to get there fast. But I want you to understand the mouth of the lion that he was delivered from was each and all of these. And all evil thoughts which may assault your mind. Listen to me very carefully. The lion's mouth can be each and all of these and all evil 
evil thoughts which may assault your mind, attempting to wreck your spirit and break your body. It was the roar that was an attempt to threaten and also intimidate the believer from moving forward. The roar is this is Satan's endeavor to discourage you and to get us to throw in the towel and to apply pressure mentally and emotionally so that we will settle for less than the promises of God. It was Paul that said, listen, Timothy, I've been through some stuff and the devil's tried to intimidate me when others walked away. The devil tried to get me to throw in the towel, but watch what he said. He said that by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear you want to know what he was afraid of you want to know what Paul was afraid of the fear of Paul and every preacher and every saint should be that we would not fulfill all of God's will If the devil can talk you out of with his roar, trying to intimidate you mentally, emotionally, trying to get you to just settle down and don't don't try so hard, don't give so much, don't worship like that because your body's breaking down, your emotions are in shambles. Hear me, somebody, and the devil is roaring, trying to back you into a corner. But the thing that Paul was afraid of was not the Colosseums. He wasn't afraid of one amphitheater or one Caesar, but he was afraid that he might not make fully known the gospel to all the Gentiles. The thing that scared Paul the most is that he wouldn't be able to fulfill all of God's will in his life. So we're not afraid of any amphitheater, should be afraid of any Colosseum. Or even the cry of the people. Doesn't matter what media says. It doesn't matter. No, 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 no. My, my, my greatest concern is not death. And it wasn't Paul's greatest concern being death. It was him not fulfilling his destiny. But now... This is what I came to preach. And that was all introduction. I've come to preach about the reality of the roar, that intimidation, that if you keep living for God, you keep doing what you're doing. Devil's like, listen, your body's breaking down. You, you, no, 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 no. You, you're going to die. You're going to be, listen, he's trying to intimidate. He's trying to intimidate families. He's trying to intimidate everybody. But here's the deal. The reality of his roar. You ready? Here's the, here's the whole thought of the whole message that God gave to me. Cause I went through a season. I'm going to preach a little while, but here, here's where I get to the reality of the roar. Here's the reality of the devil's roar and his intimidation and all the lies that he's been telling you that, listen, your marriage isn't going to, you, you, you're, can't, God can't fix your marriage. Your kids are going down a wrong road and you, you ain't going to be able to get them back. You've all, I'm here to tell somebody the reality of God's roar or the, the reality of the enemy's roar is that his roar is not reality. 
I said all that to say this. You let him say whatever he wants to say. Don't believe it because he's a liar. So whatever comes out of his mouth, the reality of his roar is that his roar's not reality. It's only a threat. He's only saying these things. But I'm telling you, if it's coming out of his mouth, don't believe one word he said. And in fact, it's quite the opposite. So if he says, let the devil build your faith a moment. If he says your family ain't coming together, just believe in this revival might be the revival. You're not going to get the, if you ain't got the Holy Ghost yet, you ain't going to get it. You might as well just believe. It's, it's simple. I know it's real simple. It's real simple tonight. It's real simple. I, I understand. Because here's the deal. How about Job? Let's go to Job. Job 1 and 7. Job 1 and 7. Watch what the Bible says. And the Lord said unto Satan, right? Job's down here getting, just doing a good job being a faithful servant. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth, from walking up and down in it. Doesn't that look like a lion? You ever been to a zoo? I know, do you have a, where's the closest zoo? Duluth. Okay, yeah, okay. Does it have a lion? Used to, okay. Well, we got, we got Cheyenne Mountain Zoo in Colorado Springs, and, and it's on the side of a mountain. And it's like you're climbing a mountain just to see the gorillas, right? But they got a lion, and we took, we, during, during uh, winter or Christmas time, they'd light up everything at night, and you can go see the animals, and they had the lion out, and it was walking that fence. It hit the end of that fence, and it turned around, and it walked like this. It hit the end of that fence, and it walked around. It kept doing that, and one of my buddies, one of the guys in our church, great guy, he got too close, and that lion sprayed him. Like territorial lie, you know. He's oh, he did this number, and he was like upset. I was like, not everybody gets to say that they got marked by a lion. I said I would have, I wouldn't mind it because I could tell that the rest of my life. I'd preach it. Right? Yes. Amen. Right? And so now, now God is talking to Satan. And God's like, where you been at, Satan? I hadn't seen you in a minute. He said, I was walking to and fro on the earth. That's what he said. It's almost like just picture him like a lion. He said, going to and fro on the earth from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, you thought about Job? Mark him. Right? Now, come on, God. Everything's going good for Job. Hast thou considered my servant Job? And Satan reveals, yeah. I have thought about him. Verse 10, hast thou not made a hedge about him 
about his house and about all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hand and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath. This is God, I believe, speaking back to him. And he will, now he, this is what God, Satan said to God. Put forth thine hand now, touch all that he hath and, all, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Listen, check this out. The only reason he could mess with Job is if he had God's permission. But here's what I want you to understand. That... There's never one place in your Bible where Satan ever spoke to Job. Do you realize that? That's powerful. I'll, I'll explain. He didn't ever once say anything to Job. He said something to God. But here's the thing. If he has permission, he's not going to talk about what he's going to do. He's just going to do it. So if the devil is telling you what he's going to do, if he's trying to intimidate you with his voice, if he's trying to intimidate you with his roar, that's just proof that he don't have permission to do what he said that he he was going to do. The reality of the roar is that his roar is not reality. Not one time did he talk to Job. Why? Because if the devil has to holler, that tells me there's a hedge. I'm here to tell you if the devil's saying you ain't gonna make it, you can never live like this for the rest of your life. Church, oh, if he's speaking to you like that, that's telling you. There's a hedge. So, uh, we need. You're always going to be a drug addict. Your kids are never coming back. The reason why he has to holler because God's put a hedge. God's blessed the work of your hands. God has kept your house. God, oh. So I'm here to tell River of Life, if you're still here, that's proof that God, the devil, don't have permission to take your salvation, because he can't. So if he has to holler when you're going to sleep and try to shame you with his roar, I had one of these moments, Pastor. I had one of these moments where I was driving to a Bible study, driving down 35 in Iowa to my mom's house where I ta taught a Bible study. Every Thursday or Tuesday night, I was driving. And all of a sudden, it's like Satan spoke to me. I, that's all I can say. That's all I know how to say. I, I, I don't know what else, how else to say it, but all of a sudden kind of it thundered into my spirit. I'm going to kill you. I was like, oh. I, and, and it's like, I know all the Bible stuff. I know the theology. I, I, I know, I, listen, but when he said it to me, 
I couldn't help but believe it. Because things were going good, but then I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, my heart, my palms got sweaty. My wife started breathing different. My wife's like, what's going on? I said, I have, I almost had a full-blown panic attack. We got to my mom's house. I had to go downstairs in the basement. And I, I said, uh, uh, just hold on, hold on. We'll start in a second. We'll start the Bible study in a second. And I went, went down the basement. I'm, 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 I'm like borderline freaking out. And I'm like, uh, uh, I got to call. I called my pastor. And I'm like, the devil's going to kill me. I, I don't know how he's going to do it. Maybe it's cancer. Maybe. Uh, and I, I, I just, and I called my pastor. And I said, pastor, you're not going to believe this. Um, um, the devil told me he's going to kill me. And he starts laughing. <laughs> and I, I'm like full on panic attack. I'm not prone to panic, anxiety, and fear, but something gripped me. And I was like, pastor, he's going to kill me. And he starts laughing. You ever had your, you ever shared your heart with your pastor and he starts giggling at you? And he said one of the most simple but profound things that changed my life. He said, Ryan, if the devil could have killed you, you'd already be dead. If he could do it, he'd already done it. If he could take your kids, he'd already took them. Here, listen what I'm saying to somebody tonight. If there wasn't going to be revival in Grand Rapids. I thought you'd be shouting by now, but I want you to understand. I went up. I went up from that basement conversation with my pastor after I had to forgive him. I went upstairs, and when I got upstairs, I taught a Bible study. And as I'm teaching, my aunt that was full of the devil, she knocked on the door. She came in. She sat at the table. I started talking about the blood of Jesus, and all of a sudden, I'm telling she was she was full of the devil. And when I started talking about the blood of Jesus, all of a sudden, she started. No, no, grabbed her ear, started shaking her head. No, my mom scared to death, jumped back, said, devil be gone, devil be gone. She never seen nothing like this in her life. And I'm here to tell you, we began to pray and we cast the devil out of her and we are. And she prayed through to the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you the reason why the enemy is going to roar against you, roar against your faith, roar against your revival is because he don't have a permission to stop it. So he knew who was coming to that Bible study that night. Hey, he knew what things were going to happen. And so next week, my aunt brought my cousin 
and we had revival in my mom's house at that kitchen table. Oh, let the devil roar. Let him roar all he wants. Let him holler. But there's a hedge. And God wants you to have revival. He wants you to have revival in your school. He wants you to have revival in the middle school, in the high school. Why not the elementary? We can have revival. My God, I'm going to kill you. The reason why you cannot believe the devil is because you spoke about it. The enemy's been defeated. He speaks from a defeated position. He has no leverage. All that he says is a lie. So you've got to understand whatever is trying to cripple your faith from keeping you from doing all of God's will, doing all that God has for you to do, not just portions of it, because partial obedience is still disobedience. Not one time did he say anything to Job. Listen to me very carefully. Satan's threatenings are just a testimony that he doesn't have permission to do what he's saying he will do. So the reality of the roar is that the devil is just full of hot air. Don't believe anything that comes out of his mouth. That emotional, mental exhaustion that he has been brought on, it's not necessarily something that is physically heard in your ear, but it is something that is felt in your spirit. Like I'm not good enough. It'll never happen for me. I'm not what I could be because of what I've done. And all of this is amounting to that roar. But hear me, somebody. There are people that need you right now. They don't need you to back down because of the reality of his roar. Is that his roar is just not reality. So if he's saying that it won't happen... Because the devil knows that it will happen. So the reality is this. The reality of the devil's roar is the revealing to us God has made a hedge about us. And about our house. And about all that we have. That God hath blessed the work of our hands. And our substance is increased in the land. And I'm here to speak and expose the lie. The devil has said, you'll never be what you once were. River of life, the revival church that you once were, you'll never be what you once were. I want you to get that in your spirit. He's roaring. Let him roar. But every time you hear him roar, just know he has to holler because God's got a hedge around his church, around his bride. There will be people get the Holy Ghost in, in the mounts that they have never got the Holy Ghost. There will be people in our youth groups that get the Holy Ghost and you will rock whole classrooms. You will win teachers. Hear me, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. 
now. You will walk into hospitals and you will see miracles. They will come. They'll sit in your living rooms if you'll only believe. Now, okay, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you. You ready? Revelations 12 and 12. You ready? Watch this. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath. Devil's fighting. Going through it. Because he knoweth. He, the devil's stupid, but he ain't dumb. He knoweth that he hath a short time. You know what that verse is saying to you? The devil has come down having great wrath. He said, you inhabitants of the earth, you better get ready because he's going to come down having great wrath. He's talking about the end of time. The devil's going to come down having great wrath. Oh, great wrath. You can feel it. Gross darkness is covering the earth and gross darkness. The people, all this stuff, you can see it. Everything's falling apart. We've got this, that, and the other going on. And the devil's, all this great wrath. Because he knoweth. Can I tell you that the enemy's wrath is just a manifestation of his limitation. He knows he has just a limited amount of time. So I'm here to tell you, the devil is not omnipotent. He's not all-knowing. He knoweth, but he's not all-knowing. God, get this in our spirit, Father. Get this in our spirit, Father. Get this in our spirit, Father. Let this just saturate into the spiritual DNA. Because I'm telling you, we're going to have revival this week. There's momentum that's building and has been building. But the devil, the more he sees God doing something in you, he's going to walk that fence waiting to mark you. Mark you in your mind. Mark you in your emotion. And you're going to have to walk around with the scent of what the enemy's told you. He's going to do trying to shame you, trying to guilt you. But hear me, somebody. He's roared his oh God, but his great wrath is just a manifestation of his limitation. He can't do everything that he wants to do it or he would have already done it. You need to stand up believing in a confidence that God is going to, you're going to have revival. And God's not just going to have some general revival for a river of life. He's going to have an individual revival in your life, in your home, at this altar. I don't care what the lawyer said. I don't care what the adjuster said. I don't, I don't care what the doctor said. Hear me. The Bible said that it's time for the lion of the tribe of Judah to roar his roar and, and to do what only he can do. 
All right, clap your hands. I'm, I'm about there, sister. Let go. Because I know, I'm just putting it out there out front. The devil's going to roar, and he's going to try to back us into a corner. But his roar is not reality. Because here's the deal. the devil fight, We've heard it. The devil fights the hardest when he fears the most. But he... And he reveals, listen, he reveals his vulnerability through his voice. This ain't the church for you. This church ain't for you. See, nobody's even noticed you were here. Is that really what you're going you're gonna to believe? Back to 2 Samuel. Let's go there. Sister Lichtel, can you play something really just super anointed? So, Because I'm nervous now. <laughs> Listen to me. Benaniah. One of David's mighty men. He did many acts. That means there was too much to mention. But something he did really caught the attention of the author. Said he went down. Yeah, he killed two lion like men of Moab. What's that mean? They were all talk. <laughs> but then he went down. Also, and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. I'm going to ask you all, would you stand with me? What we need tonight is a Benaniah spirit just to sweep across this house. Because how did he get down in that pit? It first started with him hearing a roar. Because lions, when they are in trouble, they will roar as a defense. When they are fearful, it's a survival tactic. That lion... in an attempt to protect itself. But when Benaniah heard that lion roar, he ran towards it instead of running away from it. Somebody in this house, God's been calling you for a while. God has been beckoning you for a while to do his will, to surrender your life, your mind, your emotion. He's been calling to you and the devil's saying, no, no. Do you know what you'll have to give up? 
But here's the deal. So instead of running away, just continue and live life, life you've always lived in. Benaniah said, no, not today. He said, at the end of this day, I'm going to have a story that I can tell my wife. I'm going to have a story that I can tell my kids. So he ran towards that roar instead of running away. But watch what happened. The Bible gives us something very clearly. It says that he went down into that pit, slew a lion in the pit in a time of stow. The reason why he left with a story is because he was at the right place at the right time. And he left with a story. But here's, here's what it says in the NLT. Let me just share. It said about Benaniah on a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. So here's what we're going to do. He didn't casually sneak up on that lion. He didn't stroll up to at a convenient time to that pit. No, because of the snowy day, the timing of everything, everything just came together for him to have a moment that he could look back on, a moment that he could cherish where God would anoint him to kill that lion. It was the right place. It was the right time. I'm here to tell you today we're dealing with intimidation. Today we're canceling out fear and you're going to get the breakthrough you've been waiting on. You're going to be delivered from what you've needed deliverance from today but what do you have to do you can't just sit there when you hear the roar you've got to run towards it you've got to chase it down you've got to silence that voice in your life by your faith today so are you ready